Welcome to the Mrs. Rev Podcast, where we equip and empower you to fulfill God's call with joy and with purpose. Get your Bible and get ready to take some notes as we jump into another episode of the Mrs. Rev Podcast with your host, Pastor Joey Miller. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Mrs. Rev podcast. We are excited to begin a two-part series called Handle It with Megalis Love Griffiths. You're going to be in for a treat as we talk about all things from finding your calling to being a working mom uh, to finding uh, just your niche in life. So grab a notebook, grab a pen for this two-part series as we get to sit down and talk with Megalis. Hey, and welcome to the Mrs. Rev podcast. I am so glad that you tuned in today. Make sure you share this podcast with somebody that you love. Today, we have special guest, Magalis Griffiths, and we're so excited about that. Today, we're going to be talking about Handle It, uh, handling life, handling your calling, handling your family. And uh, so Magalis is the executive director of Revival Today Ministries. She's celebrating eight years in July there. Praise God. Yes. I earned every last (laughs) year of that yes you do you need a every bag. yes a bag. i should i yes. should wear a, a pin for every for year. every year yes i, I think sure. so gold she is a m- tiffany <laughs> and jonathan and adalis if you're out there tiffany's <laughs> tiffany's she's a mother of two precious babies mm-hmm. and she's celebrating 11 years married to abel yeah so it's Coming been quite up. a productive life yes. so far. <laughs> so good. So good. Praise God. We've, we've, we're fitting a lot into a year now. Yes. So And it's just funny how the more you grow, the more you can kind of like jam into your schedule. It's That's like right. supernatural. Your capacity it, increases. It so. really does. <laughs> and I think it's like a mental thing. You know, like the older I get, the more I feel like in my mind I can handle. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. You don't get as overwhelmed. You're like, no. you know, got to get this done. Where I would so. think... You know, back in the day, if I didn't get eight hours of sleep, right, when it was just Abel and I, I don't even know what I did with my life. Isn't that the truth? You're like, it's like eight hours of sleep. Like, what? I wish I could get eight hours now. Yeah. It's like, what? What do you do with eight hours of sleep, anyways? So if, less rest and more productivity. That's exactly so. right. <laughs> less dependency on rest because I feel like I'm so obsessed with like goals yeah. now that I, it's just rest is just kind of like the natural fact. You're yes. like, this is a waste of time. Which I love that about you because you know one of the things that uh, has always stood out to me about you is you know this journey that you've been on with Revival today, like eight years, yeah. going on eight years now, yeah. and how like I have physically seen you like grow and like your gifts just flourish, mm-hmm. and it didn't always start that way like so talk to us for a second um about the beginning of your journey like like for for those of you who are listening today and you're like I I can't define my calling I don't know what my purpose is I'm not I don't know that I'm called to full-time pulpit ministry uh so we're going to talk a little bit about your journey and how you discovered it how you grew into it and so what did you want to be when you grew up it's so funny. Like, well, I wanted to be a doctor. I always wanted to do something in the medical field. No way. It's so true. Yes. <laughs> and like, it was so funny because even throughout high school, I was selected to be one of the the only students. I took an anatomy course. And the first time any high school students were allowed to go into a morgue uh-huh. at Harvard University, okay. I was selected as one of the students. I was like, this is what I'm going to be doing with my I life. I didn't know this. I love yeah. this. Yeah. So we went that day, spent the day in the morgue, like basically looking through cadavers, touching brains, Did you holding have the heads. The entire time. <laughs> the entire time. And that's when I knew I remember just leaving that lab and being like, this ain't for me. 
I got to re I have to literally revamp. I have to reconsider everything because I can't do this with my life. It was just so intense. <laughs> like, you know, there was a there was a, like, for example, there was one room that was just like a massive long table. It was probably like 12 feet. And and the entire thing was decapitate decapitated heads oh like for the study of brains wow and i just remember being like this just isn't my life like yes. what's what am i doing like how have i chosen this i was so fascinated with the human body and then i came to the reality that like this is not what i want to do no. in fact it's the opposite of what i want so maybe just like makeup and making people pretty <laughs> <I know. laughs> Seriously, i would love that but at the time it's funny because in my life there's been many seasons like that where mm -hmm. i feel like i want to do something and then it totally doesn't work out that way yeah. where it's like, you know, for a long time, I saw myself in the medical medical field and then it just I had to like go back to the drawing board. And yeah. then I thought that I was going to be a missionary. OK. And that's what I went to school for. So after high school, I gave my my life to the Lord when I um when I was about 14 years old and I was heavily in the church. I mean, I was there every waking hour of the day because I felt like. That's what I needed. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be away from my school life and my home life. And I really just needed to give my time to the church because I knew that that's what I needed mm -hmm. at the time. And it was really interesting because at the time they were putting me on all these different um, positions at the church. It was whatever they needed done. I was there. So I was the receptionist and I learned how to be a receptionist. Then I was a painter. I learned how to paint. And for a while, I, that's actually what I did to put myself through say, college. Like, I feel like that's the story of your life. Like Seriously. you learned and dominated and everything you put your hand to has like literally prospered. Right. And and the, the point is, is that like I never just sat around waiting for something to happen. That's good. And so I think a lot of times people want that, you know, angel in the room experience yeah. like Jonathan. Yeah. And most people just don't get that. And that's just the the reality of yeah, it. Like right. most people aren't going to have an angel appear to them. And, and, and then all of a sudden, you know exactly what you're going to do with your life. Right. And for me, it was, uh, I have no idea what I want to do, but I'm not going to stay still. Yeah. And so that really made me the kind of person where I could really be flexible with just about anything. Yeah. And I so, love that. You're yeah. not staying still. You, yeah. you didn't see it clearly, but you weren't just going to wait and sit around for it. To and happen. how important were those years? Yeah. That, so that I could figure out, okay, I'm not necessarily a receptionist because I'm not really a good people person, but I know how to problem solve and yeah. I know how to delegate. And so all of these years that I found were like so, so many people on the outward were like, you're not really doing anything. I was doing everything yeah. and to prepare myself for what I'm doing now, yes. which is like totally fascinating just looking back and seeing like every house that I painted was for a reason yeah I dealt with the grumpy people I dealt with people that you know had like huge issues and so I worked through those issues at like 15 16 years old and so it really did form who I was preparing and we all hear like the cliche like uh, waiting time is not wasted time but how true it is that you can either have that perspective like when is life going to start right or you can take that time in and, and really um pillage every treasure out of that season and really learn and and refine yourself oh, 100 and, and, you know get the good things out of it and it was interesting adalis we ended up you know we went to, to got saved went to high school throughout high school i really believed that i was going to be a missionary and then i graduated high school adalis went to art school and i was actually um uh accepted into suffolk university 
And so I really, because I listened to all the voices that said, you need to go to a four-year college, you need to be, you know, you have to have like some type of bachelor's, whatever, I decided to take that route. Now, that school in and of itself was like 65000 at the time, a okay. year. Wow. So that was a big... Uh, that was a big deal for me because right. I was taking everything on my own. Yeah. So I had to file out all of the financial documents on my own. I walked through that all by myself. And when I got there, I just felt like this is not what I want to do. Yeah. And I literally walked out on the day of um, what it's not commencement. It's a uh, orientation orientation. Yeah. I was with my entire class and I grabbed my bags and I was like, taxi take me home I literally went home I was like this is not for me I'm not doing it and I love this because if you are listening I'm sure you're familiar with Adalis and Magalas but Magalas has a twin sister Mm -hmm. who is Adalis who's the ministry she now works for and uh, so to pause in the story Adalis at this point was pursuing art yeah but you had sensed a calling of some sort and uh to the mission field yeah and you I love this point because you made the steps towards what you felt like but the Lord didn't let you miss it like even though you were you were pursuing all you knew to do even at that orientation he's like no No. like didn't let you miss it right and i love that point uh, of of who the lord is like we're so worried about missing it like if you're seeking him he's not gonna let you miss it and it's funny because even in growing up i mean i really had i was pretty immature but i had a very mature spirit i don't know if that makes sense but the prayers that i remember praying were god let me never miss it Anywhere I go, if I go to the left, if I go to the right, let that be your will. Yeah. And so to me, it was always like if there was ever like if the Holy Spirit ever said, don't do it, I would know in yeah. my spirit of spirit like this is not what God wants for me. And I, I sat there and I had no reason to be anxious. I had no reason to be feeling the way that I was feeling other than Holy Spirit. Right. So I literally just pulled out and I was like, I'm not doing it. So I really invested myself in um, painting. So I became a manager at a um, painting for a painting crew. I was like managing six or seven grown men. Okay. Okay. To do painting outside exterior homes. Okay. So we would literally take (laughs) on these. Yeah. These these huge. um, I would be on a 45 foot ladder. Like I would have to set these things up. I would have to. And we would take care of like painting the exterior of people's homes for like many summers. I did that probably around two two some uh two years meanwhile you were probably like barely 100 pounds barely 100 pounds i never broke crested 100 pounds until i got married so i was 99 pounds think about that okay like walking around with these aluminum ladders and like trying to like paint people's houses it was crazy (laughs) like i think about about it and i'm like what was i thinking you know like managing like seven grown rough rough men yeah and so it was just like those were all different uh lessons too um, but then Adalis and I came back when one day we were, we were at that point I had actually moved away from my house and Adalis was still living at home she was still going to AI and we just kind of had lunch and um, I remember having this conversation like man this is really dissatisfying like we had all of these plans we had all of these visions and we're doing nothing that like pertains to our vision so like what what do we do yeah and Adalis like starts crying and she was like I actually felt like the Lord the Lord visited me he gave me a word and I'm to go to Zion wow and I was like well I'm jumping on that word too even though again <laughs> I didn't have that experience for myself yeah but I felt like I needed you know my love for God my passion for God translated into I need to be in the ministry yeah and so I need to like that's how I'm going to find my fulfillment is like by being in the ministry and becoming a missionary 
And so she ended up be- wanting to do like evangelism courses, which was perfect. And so we were all in the same courses together. We actually recruited two more women that were that were in high school with us that felt like a call to the ministry as well. And they joined us wow. as well that first year at Zion. And so we were just kind of like doing schooling. And then the, the first day of orientation, um, Adalis is fine. The, all the girls are fine. And then my my uh, kind of like my focus was missions and i was the only one that year that had signed up for missions like it like overall or overall out of out of out of 200 people (laughs) or whatever apparently i was the only one that was like focused on missions so i was like all right well i'm all by myself like let's do this you know and and like i sit in the class i'm by myself and the gentleman comes in and he was like is this it and I'm like, yeah, like I was the only one that signed up for missions. And he was like, unfortunately, this goes against my beliefs. I can't teach you. It's basically one man, one woman. Yeah, I right. can't teach you yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh-huh. So, of course, you know, at the time I was very liberal, liberal, like very outspoken. <laughs> and I was like, I want my money back. You know, like, what is the deal? Like, I, I couldn't understand, like, why he would do that to me. Right. I was like, this is my calling. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. And so I basically lost. And I was placed in like evangelism courses with the Dallas. So if think about that, like yeah. another kind of, oh, I feel like I know what I'm doing, but yet now I'm st- going back to the drawing board because right. guess what? That's not what I'm doing. Yeah. And so all in all, throughout all of these like experiences, I look back and I, I'm like, man, I'm using all of those experiences today. You can see the hand of God, like what, what probably look like coincidence or, or frustration. Yeah, frustration. You know, like talk about perspective, you know, yeah. like at the time I was like, man, nothing's really working out. Meanwhile, it's it was totally purposeful and yeah. it was totally uh, integral for my walk and then as for where I am today, you yes. know. So I ended up doing these evangelism courses. Adalis ends up meeting Jonathan and goes off. And then I continued on my schooling for two years okay. under Zion Bible College. Um, at the end of Zion Bible College, I basically was like, deuces. Like, I can't be in ministry. I can't be like them. I can't, like, you know, I had a lot of different issues. Yeah. And so it was funny because even that, even feeling like that was really still even in preparation for what God had yes, had me walking for. into the uniqueness of your particular call. Correct. And instead of like feeling like you had to morph and push something, like probably felt like you were like a square trying to fit into a circle peg. You oh know, my goodness. So. That is like the best way to yeah. say it because it really, it truly was. Yeah. That was a, a perfect explanation of, of what I was going through at that time. So what I ended up doing was, again, never, I never sat around and waited for God to do something. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I needed to do something and he'll bless it. He'll bless the work of my hands. And so I needed to experience more. The reason why I don't have, you know, uh, you know, that I don't have a niche yet is because I haven't experienced enough things. And Mm -hmm. I knew I I was always smart enough to know, like, I'm not experienced enough. I need more experience. Mm -hmm. And then that way I'll know exactly what I love, what I hate, how I react to certain leadership, how do I, so it's just about like that experience and yeah. getting, gaining that experience. And so I ended up, I worked um, at a law firm, which I was totally like underqualified <laughs> for. But at the time I wore, I literally, I showed up, 
I went to Adalis's closet and I was I grabbed her best outfit because yeah. at the time I'm literally broke as a joke. Yeah. I'm barely making my rent of three hundred dollars a month. Go figure. You yeah. know, it's like shared housing. And I remember being like, Adalis, I need an outfit. So she let me um, borrow like some Valentino stilettos. Yeah. I had a Valentino um, skirt and this button up, beautiful button up. I like showed up dressed to the nines and had zero. I had like high school diploma. And like yeah. some theology, which like doesn't really translate to anything legal <laughs> at the time. Yeah, right. So I sit there and she just starts bantering with me and she just totally, her name is Gail. I, she's, we're, st- we still, we're still friends to this day. And she just fell in love with me. So then she ended up calling me back and she was like, I want to give you the job. And she was like, you're extremely underqualified for what we're looking for. Because <laughs> of course you have to have some type of legal yeah, right. or something. Fairly legal um, training. Yeah, and so she was like, but I really like your personality. And she was like, and you can't, you were the only one that came dressed to work. You were the only one that like didn't give me like some like, you know, fluffed up version of your life. You gave yeah. it to me real. And she was like, and that's the person I want to work with. And so that really helped me because I realized then that I can be myself. Mm, that's good. And people are going to like it. Yeah. You know, I don't have to be a watered down version of myself. In fact, my personality was what opened that door for me. That's so good. So uh, embracing my personality and embracing my quirks, if you will, um, really like er- that early on really helped me in the long run. Let's too. talk about that for a second. This like pause in your story because it's so important. I feel like especially for women that we feel like we have to fake it or we have to put on a facade or we have to become like someone else that we have to actually change our personality to be like somebody else that we admire or we look at and say they're successful. If I want to be successful, I have to change this about me. Correct. And and what you said is so important because, you know, your contribution comes through your uniqueness and what you have to, to, to give the world. And if you're always suppressing that, you'll never Never walk in the fullness of who God created you to be. Right. So talk about that, and then talk about it from the angle, if you don't mind, of being a twin. I mean, sure. talk. About, I mean, I have two daughters, yeah. so I know how sometimes they compare themselves to one another oh or my compare goodness. my love for them sure. to each other. So yeah. you know how how did that play out in being a twin, growing up with a twin, very different in a lot of ways. Oh my so goodness. speaking to that like, uniqueness, yeah. So. Um, even growing up with with yeah, like you were saying, like having a twin. You always compete, whether you like it or not. Just that siblings are going to do that naturally. Yeah. So for me, I always, um, I was always very competitive with Adalis, always. And so growing up, I knew my strengths and I knew her weaknesses. And so we would always <laughs> go back and forth on those kinds of things. But it was really interesting because my parents really fed into our strengths. That's good. So they always knew, like, go to Magalas if you need this. And then go to Adalis if you need this. And they would always highlight our strengths. So that it was never this competition thing. It was just you're different, you know. And so like you, you're the funny, haha one, but you're the the one that's serious, that is like confident. And yeah, that was Adalis. Adalis yeah. was the serious, confident, strong, and I was the funny, uh, exuberant. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know why. Confident. Yeah, confident. You know, it was just it was different. You know, you know, twins, but very different personalities. I love what you said, not to over-spiritualize it, but like that's what God does 
with us. Oh like my gosh, he, yeah. he calls out our strengths. Yeah. And he doesn't compare us to each other, but he says, you know what, you're good at this and you're good at this and and your giftings and your callings are uh, in proportion to that. So oh, absolutely. And so I love that because that's what your parents were naturally doing to you. Yeah, that, even our siblings, they would naturally nurture their our strengths, whether and it would it would look like it would look like this. It would be like, um, uh, oh, I need help in the mom wants yard work done. Um, Adalis, can you help? Because Magalis just, she can't do that, you know? <laughs> and then, or, you know, our, our so-and-so is like really sad. Magalis, come over here and let's cheer him up. You know, those kinds yeah. of things in, right. in that fashion where it wasn't necessarily like, you know, this like, well, we just want to honor you, you know? <laughs> it was just a very natural thing uh, where we would just, really focus on our on our like what we had to offer it wasn't like not. you were sitting in the special affirmation no, chair exactly. and they were going back the quite opposite <laughs> <laughs> but we knew our what our strengths were and uh we knew all, clearly what our weaknesses were but in our family you don't talk about any weaknesses mm. you only highlight the the strengths so those were the very beneficial in in the long run yeah. where um you know, it's funny. People do try to classify me in the same like, well, wow, you look exactly like a Dallas or you act, you know, why you you should act more like a Dallas. She's so, so relaxed and you're just too exuberant. You know what? We've had that. We've had yeah. people who are like, well, why don't why doesn't she dress more like a Dallas? She dresses more like ladylike and this kind of thing. Like I've had I've literally like have heard all of these things and so it's like but to me I know my strengths and I know her strengths and it's just it's interesting I don't allow those voices to challenge what I already know that's good do you know what I mean yes and so I think that's what what has really helped me um all of these years is just like knowing what voices to hear that's good and so Adalis and I always knew the voices to hear even since we were very very young yeah uh we had like a very like intuitive spiritual discerning and we knew okay this isn't the right voice and this is the right voice and so it's very easy Uh, Adalis and I actually have a very it's it's very it's it's almost to our our detriment in the in the sense of like we can cut certain voices out almost completely Mm -hmm. whereas like you you your voice doesn't have a single thing to do in our lives you know what I mean and it's it's very very easy for us to do that and really focus on voices that are good like you know knowing who we are in Christ I mean that has been basically forming who we are through the word of God is basically the reason why we don't have like some type of like you know personality disorder or whatever or right. we're, we're like feeling like oh no i have to be more like a dollars i have yeah. to look more like a dollars or you yeah, know you vice had to versa. conquer this like very early in life oh my gosh so very it's been, early it's been something probably that's that's helped you like that you don't have to deal with that now that a lot of women even listening probably are in their 30s 40s you know 20s whatever and still having to like train themselves to not oh my fall goodness into that pit yeah and it's i think it's really easy to in this society where it's like you want to conform to whoever you're around but my mom always said it like, you know, you have to be your best you mm-hmm. uh, because there's nobody, there's only one life to live and either you're going to be your best you or you're going to like, you know, waste your time trying to be like somebody else yeah. and try to conform to, to something that you can't even be. Yeah. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's like our, even in our physical bodies, man, would we love to look like, you know, Giselle Bunchton, of course, <laughs> but like biologically, that's an impossibility. Right. <laughs> so it's like, let's be our best us, you know, that's right. and, and embrace it. Yeah. You know? I we mean, really, you know, it's so integral to have conversations like that early with your children. Yeah. You know, because even Camila and Anna, they've been doing that lately 
where they compare themselves. Well, how come I don't have dark hair? Anna said, Mm -hmm. I want black hair, you know, and it's just like, no, God made you special. You're unique, you know, and then just kind of like highlighting. These are the the things that make you beautiful and and different. And this is what makes Camila beautiful and different. And Mm -hmm. just like absorbing those, those things, you know, who cares about your, your, your shortcomings you know right and so i think that like so many people get hung up on their shortcomings when it's again it's just that per- perception you the just perception switch your change. your your perception yes. and you highlight only what you're good at yeah and i think like a lot of that comes from understanding the foundation that god has something like specifically for you yes that you're crafted to do so Correct. you know when you have that confidence in that then you can walk boldly and confidently and embrace everything that that means without trying to conform or feeling poorly about yourself right and so and for me it was just um realizing that you know even even growing up like adalis was always the girly girl so if you look at childhood pictures she's got bows in her hair she's got lipsticks she's got her hair painted he's dyed i would cut my own bangs like i was like tomboy t-shirts that to is the so knee, funny i would never i would have jeans, never thought filas like the whole the whole nine like it was just i was very self-conscious of my body yeah. but i you would never know because of like my mouth would be i would run my i had the biggest mouth out of my mouth got me out of so many things <laughs> Oh my God. Um, but I really did. I always believed in myself. And we always were very proud of who we were. Yeah. And that was always accept- like like uh, very celebrated in my household. It was like, oh, Dolls is the very girly one. Here's some lipstick. But Magalas, here's some sneakers. Yeah. You know, like they, just th- those kinds of things where you're celebrated. You're, 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 the good stuff about you is celebrated. And so that, that translates into a very healthy like youth and right. adulthood. Um, so to me, I never really had uh, any challenges with with like like self-love or or just appreciating like who I was. I knew that one, God accepted me and approved and my family accepted and approved. Yeah. So the only me that you could get was was Magalis. You know, yeah. I couldn't leave half of me outside the door. You yeah. get 100% or nothing at all. And right. some people love it and some people hate it and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. You and, and that realization that you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Right. But, you know, you walk in love and you continue to receive love from the Lord and from the people who do embrace you, you know. Right. And, and, and I think I think that's that's so missing in in in, in the, the church, in the body of Christ, is realizing, okay, I might not p- preach like you, mm-hmm. but I'm still effective. Yes. Because there's certain people that I can reach that you can't. Right. You know, yeah. or there's, there's uh, you know, I might not, not be a dynamic whatever, but I'm a fabulous teacher. Yeah. There's so many gifts, and the Bible is riddled with, with different, you know, there's different gifts for different people, mm-hmm. and that, it's the body of Christ. You can't, you know, what is the body without an eye, yeah. or without a hand, or without a, a foot? You know, these are all absolutely integral like which one would you choose an eyeball or a foot and I would say I would take both yeah I need both (laughs) like I want to be the best me and so to me it's like I don't even get hung up on people that aren't my cup of tea because I know that God's going to use them effectively that's That's so good that is so good and so valuing people too I mean that's so important yeah um but for me you know I had this sense of I know who I am and I'm not gonna you know I'm not going to sugarcoat who I am. I love laughing. I love making people laugh. I love being exuberant and happy. I love getting people things. Yeah. I mean, th- these are all just like, th- it's me. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you can go scratch. But for <laughs> that line of that, that position, it was interesting. She said, I had all of the people lined up with like, 
a litany of I mean their resumes were like seven pages long and you had like this one page like you know very simple kind of like resume and so she was like but I would rather go to work show up to work with you Wow. Then with somebody who had everything like, you know, by the books, like perfectly done, but had like a horrible personality. And so I learned so much in my three years there. I learned that I could basically do anything like, you know, there were certain questions that I would ask certain lawyers, like, how do you draft up a will? And they would just like be taken back and they were like, do you really know how to you really want to learn how to do this? Like, I really do. Yeah. And by the end of my tenure there, I was drafting up wills for them. Right. And so drafting up like all these different like, you know, um, legal documents that I had no, you know, kind of background to do. But you learn. Yeah. And so um, you're getting paid for it. You know, I was you getting have to paid. Pay to yeah. <laughs> during that time, during my my job there, that's when I met Abel in Hawaii. And that's when I, I and basically I, I got married to Abel and um, towards the the beginning of our marriage, that was basically the beginning of like the the breaking off with the, the law firm, because I really felt like, you know, Abel actually asked me because he, he knew that I was traveling two hours to go to work because I was living in Connecticut, wow. working in Wellesley, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. So I was working, t- so driving two hours just one way wow. to go to work. And um, and I was just being, I was felt like dissatisfied. I felt mm-hmm. like our, our uh, the CEO of the company that I was working for was like so mean. He treated everyone so poorly, went against everything that I believe in. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, allowed certain people to, to speak to our, our staff like, wrongfully just because they're good they're they they bring him in some money like everything that i hated he stood for yeah and so i was sick of working for the man you know right. i was like i'm here i am slaving away making his dreams come true and i said and i thought i want to make somebody else's dream come true wow and so, so it was interesting because we abel and i we met in hawaii and at the time um, I was only able to go that one week and um, I went to Hawaii like really with an open mind like I want I don't know what I want Lord but I want to serve you and I ultimately like well, I want to give my life for you yeah. and to expand your kingdom right. but I don't want to work at a church yeah. and so I was like that's really interesting how the heck do you even do that it's how like, do you put the, yeah. those thoughts together that's so good and I think like if you're listening today sometimes you have those desires but it's not making sense in the in your mind yeah and then so you're like tormenting yourself over it but I love you know your story because it, it, it provides confidence that if you're seeking the Lord He's going to make it all come together. Everything comes together for, for the good of those who love him. And I love the Lord. Yeah. And so to me, I really just wanted, he knew my heart and that my intention was, I want to help you because I, you're the man that I want to work for. Yeah. And I want to expand That's your so kingdom. Yeah. But I don't know how. Yeah. And so that first week, um, I really set it, set us aside that week in Hawaii f- to fasting and pray, prayer. I would wake up at four in the morning just to like walk outside and pray and just pray. It was speaking tongues because I at the time I didn't even know what the heck I was like how to go about what like I wanted yeah. I, I knew that what I wanted but I didn't know how to get there right and so um there was my last day there it was Friday night and or Thursday night and Jonathan was like I'm gonna have my best friend Pastor Nathan preach because Pastor Nathan yeah. was there that year and in, in fact Pastor Luke was there that year too That's so funny. and so they you know we were just kind of like Pastor Nathan preached 
and preached the house down. And then at the very end, he said, like, if you're filled with the spirit, come up and I want to I want to pray for you. And so I was sitting in the front and I was just like just kind of standing there and I had my hands lifted and he came around. And at the time I I was I had the 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 hots for my husband and but I wasn't going to say anything to him because. I felt in prayer in my prayer time, the Lord tell me, don't approach Abel. He'll approach you like because, you know, you've messed things up in the past with your relationships because of your big mouth. So I want to do this. And so I really felt like the Lord had spoken that to me. And Pastor Nathan never spoke to him a day in our lives before. We had never really any type of history even before this. And he spoke to me and he said two things. He said, first of all, the Lord says, don't approach him he'll approach you. Wow. Literally word for word what the Lord had told me. I have it in my journal to this day. That's amazing. And I like looked at Pastor Nathan and I was like, he's an oracle of God. And now I'm like, I just like stood there with my eyes open. He probably thought I'm like, this chick is crazy. I was literally like, and he said, "Um, the Lord is going to use you. And he's like, and it's not in a church establishment because he knows you hate it. You hate the church politics. You hate the establishment wow. of the church. And at the time, the way he was speaking, hello, he's a pastor, right? right. So the way it was literally from the, the mouth of God. And so he was like, but you have a passion and a love for him that's going to open doors of ministry for you and, and, and not in the ways that you think. Mm-hmm. And boom, I fell out. Wow. I thought I was like, wow. I, I think I just toppled I like over a whole bunch of Hawaiians and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and then he moved on. Now, little did I know that many years down the line, he would be my pastor. Yes. But, you know, everything he said was perfect. Yes. It, it, it totally fit the bill. And so probably about like four or five months later, um, Adal was talking to me about how she was overwhelmed. I had left my job at the at the because I knew I was like, God, I heard your voice. I'm taking action. I'm being like proactive yeah. about that word. Right. So I I quit my job at the law firm and I was like, you're going to open a door of opportunity quickly. And so I was having a conversation with Adalis as well as listening to different um, success podcasts because, you know, I never like if anybody can learn from my past is that never just wait. You yeah. have to be on the, you know, the violent take it by force. Thanks again for joining us for the Mrs. Rev podcast. Once again, do us a favor and subscribe, but also leave a review and a rating. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. So after you subscribe, request to join our closed Facebook group and feel free to leave your questions there. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Mrs. Rev podcast.